Tonight, yet another staggering heat wave striking fantasy football. We are back. It is the heat wave. 32 teams in 32 days doing it Brodo style and, and going over every single fantasy relevant player that there is. Today, we'll be focusing on the Washington Newly named Commanders. I'm your host, the Fantasy Plug, Tim Petropolis, Editor-in-Chief of the Fantasy Football by Brodo app. And I am really excited to be joined by these two gentlemen. First, the Dynasty Don himself and the Fantasy Encyclopedia, head writer over at BrotoFantasy.com and the Fantasy Football by Brodo app, Matt Ward, and a special guest joining us again for the third straight episode. Hell yeah. Uh, the true True Value King and Director of Operations at Brodo and BrotoFantasy.com. And, of course, he wears every other single hat at Brodo. He is the uh, the Jason of all trades. We tried to we, – we, we workshopped that, but it didn't work out. Uh, the Jason of all trades. Jason, uh, what's up, fellas? <laughs> what's up? You did it. You did it. Yeah. It's, it, it, it sounded, it sounded like fine it. when you said it out loud. It did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't bad. All right. Uh, by the way, if you're wondering why – um, and you shouldn't be wondering why. Uh, the on the bottom here says the FF by Brodo app. Well, you should wait no longer because the fantasy football by Brodo app is our baby and it is free right now. Everyone go download it. It has every single tool you need to dominate fantasy football and become your own expert. Every stat you hear is used today can be found in the app uh, where you have fantasy player cards. Fantasy player cards uh, are basically fantasy player profiles where you have every single thing you need about the player, including their measurables and every single fantasy relevant stat. Fantasy player grades, a Brodo exclusive, usage charts, a start sit tool, a who to draft tool, player comps, consistency charts, game logs, coaching tendencies, podcasts. If you well, if you're watching right now, you know podcasts, articles, rankings, waivers, and advanced statistics, including the exclusive statistics. True throw value, true target value, true performance value, adjusted air yards, and my very favorite, true matchup rankings. These are stats that have just been proven and that we keep um, that we keep mentioning. So go check those stats out. This app is free because of our patrons over at patreon.com slash brotofantasy. A big thank you to our patrons. You are the reason why the Broto machine keeps pumping. Join now to support the show, the app, and join the best community in the world. For as little as $3 a month, you get extras like an extra waiver show every week. Access to Brodo Leagues, proven DFS cash game optimizers, access to cheat sheets, private team consultations, unique fantasy leagues. Does your league suck? This one will not, I promise. And access to the greatest community in the world, not just the fantasy of the world, not a, the world in general, the Brodo community on Discord. If you enjoy the show and you want to become part of the Brodo fam, please, uh, yeah, check that out at at um. Check patreon.com slash Brodo Fantasy. Today we're jumping into, you know, let's uh, let's go ahead and uh, take command. The commanders. The offensive outlook. Head coach Ron Rivera and off offensive coordinator Scott Turner's third season together. The offense, in my opinion, overperformed, especially when you consider the revolving door at quarterback. Um, the running back health issues that they had last year. The wide receiver health issues they had last year. It was an overachieving offense for the most part, but there's a lot of stink around the Washington organization right now. Last year, 23.23rd in points per game. They ran 46% of the time. That was top 10 in the NFL. And going into the season, PFN, PFF has our O-line ranked 15th. Their additions, of course, quarterback, new quarterback, Carson Wentz, and a, a couple of new guards, left guard Andrew Norwell and right guard Trey Turner. 
They also brought in rookies Jahan Dotson in the first wide receiver. Uh, surprising to see him go as early as he did. Um, running back Brian Robinson and quarterback Sam Howell as well. Um, you know, just to throw Sam Howell in there. Uh, subtractions. Brandon Scherf, the right guard, Eric Flowers, the left guard, quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick, wide receiver Adam Humphreys, tight end Ricky Seals-Jones, and quarterback Kyle Allen. So um, some changes in Washington, but some stay, some things that stay the same. The biggest change is the quarterback, right? Carson Wentz got a lot of heat last year because he was unclutched. But if you look at his numbers overall, he didn't light the world on fire, but he was a good quarterback that did not turn the ball over, but he made big mistakes in big moments. So his, a lot of people are not, you know, he's got a little, uh, you need to buff it to shine it a little bit more. You know what I mean? So with that being said, how do you, do you think there's a QB upgrade? First of all, second of all, how are you feeling about Carson Wentz this year with the commanders? I mean, it's not that hard to be an upgrade over Tyler Heineke. No offense to Heineke. Heineke had some good games last year. He was fun to watch. Um, our our guy Nolan over at Party Belts uh, was is is friends with Heineke, so that was pretty cool. We were cheering for Heineke for that reason. Um, but I just obviously it's an upgrade, but I didn't expect Carson Wentz to like actually be decent at football. When I look at his stats, like the last two se- two out of the last three seasons, he's been a top twelve quarterback. Last year he ended as quarterback twelve. Three years ago he ended as quarterback ten. Like, I did not expect to see that when I dove into his stats just because he's just boring. And in between those years, he had quarterback 21 season. Because my issue with Carson Wentz is where's the upside? Because if you look at all his numbers in his life, he's had 38 passing. He's had more than 3,800 passing yards once. He's thrown for over 27 touchdowns once. He's rushed for over 250 rushing yards once. He's rushed over two touchdowns once. This isn't a guy who's dripping with upside, regardless of his one almost MVP season like five years ago. This is a guy who's super average. And super average in the NFL when you're out there every week and you have pretty good ball security, you know what? You'll end up as quarterback 12, I suppose. That's just how it works, according to the last few years of evidence. (laughs) Uh, I won't question it, but I'm not taking the chance on Carson Wentz. you can you can take whatever you want to get from him as quarterback twelve finish or thirteen or fourteen. I'd rather take someone with upside, uh, someone else in the NFC East. Daniel Jones was being drafted after Carson Wentz, who also has quarterback twelve potential, has more upside than Carson Wentz. I think. Uh, so I'm I'm off of Carson Wentz this year. I'm just I'm done with. I'm done with Carson Wentz and his plain play. You could be a fine game manager. I'm not dealing with that for fantasy. And Uh, I'll always have a bone to pick with Carson Wentz real quick because me and Michael both did not like him out of college. We didn't really like him even his rookie year when he played like an MVP. So me and Michael were like, all right, I guess he played like an MVP. Like We have to concede defeat, I suppose. No, he ended up sucking just like we thought. (laughs) So... Carson Wentz, I was not wrong about, and I'm sticking to that. It's lit. All right, uh, so let's get into the wide receivers that he has to he has to support, right? Because Terry McLaurin, for whatever, for everyone's yeah, everyone's favorite guy to say he would be a lot better if he only had a quarterback. 
Now he gets like, a quarterback upgrade. Go and get him Wentz. <laughs> I mean, Carson Wentz did support Michael uh, Pittman last year, so there is that. You know, let's not let's not give him any. Let's like, but you also have, you have Dotson on the outside, the the rookie. Curtis Samuel still exists, even though he's missed a lot of time. Um, Tommy Brown is still there. Like, what's how do you feel about these wide receivers, and more importantly than than anyone else, Terry McLaurin. Yeah, certainly more importantly than anybody else, because I do not suggest you draft Deami Brown um, or I mean, you know what? Curtis Samuel kind of has like a because I, I think his value, if I. Yeah, it's in the plus 100s wide receiver. So like Curtis Samuel at that value is like flip a coin. If you if you're in deep leagues that roster 20 players, like go for it. Why not? It, it He's performed well before. Um, but Terry's the guy Terry's the guy that. All we wanted forever and ever is for Terry to get a quarterback because he consistently puts up decent numbers and good games and has ridiculous like contested catches and is a great separator and, and can command, you know, a 41.8% air yard share, which he did last season and a 24 and a half percent target share over his career, which is like that. That's all the indicators of a wide receiver one, but he's simply just never been. And I know he's never had a, a good quarterback situation, but is this really a much better quarterback situation? Like, DeAndre Hopkins produced a bunch of wide receiver one seasons with nobody throwing him the ball, like 18 different guys that are couldn't last longer than one season in the league. You know, so I, I don't know if this is really that much of a better situation for Terry McLaurin. And throughout his career, it's 12.6 points per game last season. That was wide receiver 29, 14.9 points per game at his peak in 2020. That was wide receiver 20, 13.7 as a rookie. That was wide receiver 29. So, like, what are we really expecting Terry to do? Command twice as many targets as he has his entire career? He's already had 130 and 134 Command. in back-to-back seasons. You know, are, exactly. I did that on purpose. <laughs> are we really expecting him to command, like, twice as many targets as he's ever had? Or, I mean, I shouldn't say twice, but speaking in hyperbole, obviously. But is that really what we're expecting of Terry McLaurin? He's not somebody that I'm necessarily fading, but I'm expecting a wide receiver 24 points per game finish. I'm expecting Terry McLaurin to be Terry McLaurin. Ooh, so Matt animated. Look, gotta love animated. I mean, I don't, I don't I love think animated we expect Matt. anything else. Like, it's not like he's just, he's getting Patrick Mahomes. Like Carson Wentz was, you know, bottom 15 in true throw value last season. And, and it's not like the commanders have a better offensive line or better surrounding weapons or, or more looks to take away. Like the Colts were a better team than this team is on almost every aspect. You could argue that Michael Pittman's a better receiver than Terry McLaurin is. So, so if, if you are, if you had a chance to, you know, so Dotson, Samuel, all these guys, uh, Brown, you're not even. I love Jahan Dotson. Yeah. Okay. Oh, but that's a right. dynasty take. That's okay, a dynasty so, take. So, I, so tell I, us, Jah- tell us about this Han Dotson dynasty quickly, because you're are, are you taking him in a redraft this year? That's a rookie flyer that I'm interested in. Okay. For sure. Go ahead. Go, for, go yeah. ahead with us. Talk yeah. To, yeah. No. I, and I, and I would. I. I I think it just kind of comes down to his profile and, and essentially what I just explained about that offense is they need a wide receiver too. They, they need somebody to take a more, a larger approach to that, to that offense. And they think that Carson Wentz is an upgrade. 
So they want to pass a little bit more because they couldn't last season and their defense kind of struggled. So they had to, but couldn't succeed with it. Um, so I like Jahan Dotson as like a Deontay Johnson light. And, and I mean, look at Deontay Johnson's rookie season. It wasn't that great, but that's what I mean is, is I, I really do think that he is a, get a hundred targets on a hundred slants and do damage with them. He had a massive, massive 44.3% overall weighted dominator rating in college, uh, 32.5% target share, which is a 96th percentile target share. Like the kid is a, a target hog, but on a quicker seams on, on, on quicker routes. So if Washington is forced to play from behind again and kind of forced to turn up their passing tempo and saying that Terry is Terry, yeah, I, I think you could get some decent weeks, some decent flexes out of Jahan Dotson, and he could potentially become a big riser um, as far as this rookie wide receiver tier is concerned from the 2021 class. In and I do want to of... follow up on one thing okay. Matt said uh, when he was talking about Carson Wentz and that he was not short of weapons last year with Jonathan Taylor, Michael Pittman. But let's also discuss the fact that the Colts have a great offensive line. That's, like yeah. their offensive line is fantastic. And now he's going to Washington, who does not have an offensive line like the Colts. And sure, Carson Wentz went 27 and 7 last year, right? But that was throwing with a clean pocket. And the last time we saw him with a lesser offensive line, he went 16 touchdowns, 15 interceptions for the Eagles. I think one of the reasons why people hate him too is because he he extends plays even when he doesn't have to. He had a clean pocket and he would run out and that's when he would make his mistakes. So if Dude. you're forcing him out there more, then right. that's not a recipe for success. Do you you should go back and if you can find like a, a cut up of those seven interceptions, four of them are shovel passes through the offensive line. Aye, aye. Like he's Yo, just Carson Wentz makes as soon as there's pressure, he's like yeah. <laughs> I will say all three of us on the show, not too much hair to go around except for facial hair. Um, but we would we would rip our hair out uh, if we had to deal with that. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Matt's looking, Matt's looking crispy with that lineup today, baby, today. Oh, it's lit. Oh, it's real lit. All right, let's talk about the tight end, though, because I feel like one guy that could stand in the way of Jahan Dotson being that guy is Logan Thomas. Logan Thomas is a target hog as well. He's been a target hog for this team. You know that the coaching staff likes him. You know that they like to get him in situations where he can succeed. Uh, but he had never played with a guy like Jahan Dotson playing in that second wide receiver role. Um, so the question is, and, and you know Carson once made uh, two tight ends, made tight ends relevant last year multiple times uh, with the Colts. But you, the Colts offense also is, is a tight end friendly. So the question is, Jason, how does this translate uh, Logan Thomas, one of those guys you can get super late. For me, I'd rather have a guy like Logan Thomas over a guy like Noah Fant because I got to pick Noah Fant way earlier. Ooh. Well, okay. And I'd rather start out with a guy like Logan Thomas and then stream if I'm going to go with a guy like Noah Fant on a Seahawks offense. So, like, in terms of, like, I don't know. That doesn't mean I'm ranking him ahead of Noah Fant. Just means like no, rather, I understand. I understand. You know, like I'd rather take him at ADP. That's how that's how I'm feeling about Lo the Logan Thomas experience. I mean, his, his ADP is free. Logan, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah but exactly because a big thing that Tim keeps avoiding that we can't just avoid is that he tore his ACL last year. Yeah, and oh, yeah. when fine, and when he was asked about it in April on a radio appearance, he did not say that he had surgery to repair his ACL. He said he had surgery to repair his ACL, his MCL, 
and both of his meniscuses. Or oh, meniscus that guy. Like... Whatever awesome. your preference is. Meniscus. So this motherfucker's walking around with fake meniscus everywhere. <laughs> and last year, even when he had real meniscus, he was averaging three receptions, 33 yards, and half a touchdown per game. Which is like not good <laughs> if we're being honest so yeah he's free and yeah maybe he'll come back and be a good player but even his breakout year he had like 650 yards what did he fucking do so this guy's already starting the year on the pup he has fake menace guy and carson wentz is his quarterback i'm not trying to fake menace guy <laughs> No, and I, I genuinely do see where Tim's coming from because that breakout was like tight end six overall, uh, tight end eight points per game. Like, so I, I get it, but that's also something that we've hammered and talked about always, always like the difference between tight end eight and tight end 14 and their ADP gaps can be wildly different. But like, if you don't have a top three tight end, that points per game, that's in streaming territory. So Logan Thomas is already somebody that you can just stream. Like, it doesn't need to be somebody that you're targeting. You, you muted you yourself. Got, Tim's muted. Do you guys like my name change, though? I He's changed my name for the folks. Yeah, I thought that was, I, th- I thought it was great. You changed no, your my, name? No, my new at is at fake menisca. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely if not you're how you spell menisca. Uh, how else do you spell multiple meniscus? <laughs> I'm going with the lawyer. I, yeah, I'm gonna go with multiple meniscus. Is just like I'm gonna go with multiple meniscus. That sounds that sounds better than meniscus. <laughs> All right, guy. All right, let's go over yeah. to to the running backs because I think there's a school of thought I'm a where where Antonio Gibson is the next up, and there there's that school of thought. There's another school of thought that says Antonio Gibson is out of here, like forget him forever. Um. I'm thinking that somewhere in between, here's why Antonio Gibson scares me. They brought in Brian Robinson to be a a, a, a guy who can play in, in a goal line situation, which Antonio Gibson was not great at last year. Then J.D. McKissick gets signed away. And what we all thought was going to happen was like, yes, this is it. Antonio Gibson is going to be the pass catcher. Just like he was in college, it's going to happen. yet. And then J.D. McKissick is like, nah, I'm coming back. And they they went out and they recruited him. They gave him more. Like, they wanted him badly, this coaching staff. So that shows me that they don't think that Gibson's capable. So you got a guy taking the the running back. I mean, the the pass catching work. You got another guy potentially taking the goal line work. What does that leave you with? 20 carries for 92 yards for a total of 9.2 fantasy points for Antonio Gibson? A week, like ah, color me not excited. You know, you're looking about you're looking like Damian Harris minus the touchdowns, right? So, but then again, there's a there's a school of thought where Antonio Gibson goes crazy, and Brian Robinson doesn't have a a role, and he does score those touchdowns. So, you know, I'm on the fence right now, Matt. Your facial expressions during this rant have been incredible. Um, I'd like to know the words behind those expressions. All right. Um. Brian Robinson is where I want to start because that is one of the least productive collegiate backs in a Nick Saban Alabama offense of 
in the history of Nick Saban, Alabama offenses. That kid took five years to be able to even touch the football, the relevance. It took Najee Harris getting out of the way. It took every other Bama running back getting out of the way because he stayed in that school for five years. And he still only had just over a thousand yards on 300 touches. So let's get out of here with Brian Robinson being anything more than a goal line back. Because that's it. That He might steal some inside the five or five yards to go, or three yards in a cloud of dust, we need a first down. Like, yes, he can steal some of that work, but he's never going to be anything more than that dude for me. And and I could be wrong, because you know who I was wrong about was Antonio Gibson, and I think it's time to admit that now. <laughs> you know, I, I, I think Tim kind of nailed it. I don't think it's he's done, and I don't think it's he's the next CMC. I do think it's time to adjust and and stop looking at his collegiate profile like he can be the next CMC because I mean for one like what are we doing he didn't play running back in college like Kenny Gainwell was the running back in Memphis Antonio Gibson was a wide receiver that they he converted like in the middle of his draft process and all of a sudden you just started testing with receiver with running backs and everybody was like all right cool um but that being said he did have a ton of volume left season even in an injury like riddled season and and i know that some of his efficiency was probably dwindled because of the volume but like it's so hard to project gibson into rb1 territory anymore 250 rush attempts only 4.0 yards per carry 137 yards awesome 10 touchdowns like 14.3 points per game which equated to rb17 he's was fourth in total carries but only but couldn't like break anywhere near the top 20 in rushing efficiencies so like yards created per touch was 33rd production premiums um for those like that are his what i'm trying to say is when he is earning his yards and earning his touches it's through a extremely volatile and unpredictable method he's a breakaway runner he's a breakaway runner that isn't really able to command a 70 percent opportunity shared in offense which is what we want and we want to see that come from his receptions it's just i'm basically like arguing with myself because i want to say that antonio gibson is a good pick and he's still somebody that i'm really high on and it's even hard for me to like get the words out because i like gibson as a prospect i like him as a player i like watching his game i think his ceiling is legitimate but i don't think that offense is what you want to be investing in when it comes to a running back that needs 10 touchdowns just to be rb17 in points per game Big time Miles Sanders vibes coming out. Yeah, of, like, uh, and that's, you know what, that that's it too. And I, I that was actually like when I was looking through the projections here, like that was exactly where I had it too. And and we had just done the Eagles episode, and it was like, wow, like it's so hard to not want to be in on Antonio Gibson anymore. But I don't think that I am. So let's talk about the the Kenny Gainwell of this offense. Uh, in the last three seasons, so since 2019, only seven running backs have caught at least 148 balls. Those running backs, Ezekiel Elliott, Alvin Kamara, Austin Eckler, Christian McCaffrey, Leonard Fournette, Aaron Jones, J.D. McKissick. This guy has been as prolific a pass catcher 
as anyone in the league over the last three years. Now, he doesn't get any carries, so it's only pass catching, so you're only interested in PPR leagues. But this is the type of guy that you can get very late, and you can put him in your flex, and you could start him, and you could probably bank on like 10 points a week-ish um, from Mr. McKissick, who's going to be involved in the offense. So how do you feel about uh, J.D. and spending a late-round pick on him? I feel, great. I feel really great about it. <laughs> yeah, there's a way to bring up my spirits and be a little more positive. Yeah, it's and and that's a big reason why Gibson just has never become what we wanted. And even though he was a prolific wide receiver in college, he's being stumped by a prolific NFL receiver at the running back position. And, and that's J.D. McKissick. And points for opportunity, excluding touchdowns, is something that I always like to look at when it comes to running backs. And it's something that has always been highlighted on the Brodo app as well. And JD is always at the top of the league because of that pass catching. So he's scoring. You don't need like what I was saying with Gibson, where you need him to have 15 touchdowns to break that RB one territory. And in this offense, that's probably not happening with McKissick. You don't need him to have any touchdowns to break into RB three, RB two flex territory because of how highly efficient he is with every single touch. And yes, uh, like production premiums with um, PPR and, and half point receptions, he's going to be worth a little bit more than, than a standard league because we're not talking about touchdowns and rushing yards. But JD McKissick as a late round flyer at running back that you're going to be able to play every single week at flex that is going to get an increased opportunity. If Antonio Gibson continues to deal with that foot injury, or if Brian Robinson is what I think he is, which is essentially nothing like we're not going to get a massive workhorse role from McKissick, but his role is clearly defined as the number one pass catching back in whatever offense he is on. And any increased rushing is just icing on the cake for him. You should never question if McKissick is sitting there at RB 43, should I take a shot on JD Mc always like that's because he's never been anything but what he is, which is a highly efficient pass catcher. And I would right. be remiss like, not to quote Michael on this. Um, Cause Michael is a best ball whiz. He's writing a guide on it, which will probably be out by the time um, this podcast. It will is out. most definitely be out by the time this yeah, podcast. Yeah, and is it's out. it's fucking brilliant. And to quote one of Michael's tweets, JD McKissick did exactly what drafters wanted him to do last year: several top fifteen finishes, more than half his games top thirty. The only issue was his injury. He just got paid to keep the same exact role, but he has fallen several rounds in ADP. Draft the man. With proof that Michael is following this concept with a 37% ownership of JD McKissick in underdog leagues. That makes so. me even more confident. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree. Um that's that leads me into my hot take. Let's get into the bold predictions. Uh, remember, don't hold us to these. These are uh, purposely a little hot. Uh if everything goes right or if everything goes wrong. I think that there's a good possibility. I, I just said, don't take me for this like as, as a real thing. But I think there's an actual good possibility that we have at least four Washington commanders that outperform ADP significantly. So I think J.D. McKissick can outperform it. I think that Terry McLaurin can. I think Carson Wentz can. I think Jahan Dotson can. And I'm not, I don't, I'm not projecting it, but if everything does go right, Maybe Antonio Gibson, if he keeps the role as the as I would the, love uh, it touchdown back. But that's my bold prediction that we got some um, we got some definite uh, overachievers on this team. Matt, what's your bold prediction? I think J.D. McKissick is probably going to be the second 
leader in receptions on the team. Oh, nice. Hot. Yeah. I like it. I like Spicy. that one. Behind yeah, Jahan Dodson. No, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> and I Jason. was trying to get a little bold because it, 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 he is somebody that I just really like this year. And literally the same way that I feel about Kenny Gainwell. And they are essentially the same cost, which is like a low and RB3. It's like, man, if you play in PPR leagues and you're not targeting these types of running backs, then you're definitely doing it wrong. This is the, this is the type of running back that I start in my flex every year. And it's always That's great. What it, yeah, like it's just guaranteed floor. Jason, what's your bold prediction, brother? That Tyler Heineke starts at least three games this year. Ooh, wasn't expecting that. I caramba, muy caliente. What's uh? What, tell me why? Is it just because? Uh, Not I mean, just because Carson. I mean, he's definitely of, better than Sam Howell. So just because? Oh uh, yeah, yeah just maybe because Sam because Howell, but Heineke. No, I think I think that the Washington defense is good enough to keep them in games, like we saw last year. So they're going to want to compete. Heineke gives them a better chance to compete than Howell. And I just think that's Carson Wentz with uh, like not many established weapons on the outside at the moment besides Terry McLaurin and a worse offensive line is not going to go well. I just I just want to put that out there, Jason, that Washington's defense was actually kind of terrible last year. You're thinking about two years ago, but it was a lot of Heineke chasing. They did lose, chasing, they did lose Chase Young last year. Yeah, too. they lost a bunch of guys. It was a lot of Heineke I mean, chasing, a bunch of guys, yeah. chasing deficits. All right. That's it for us today. You can find Jason at BrotoFF Jason. You can find me at BrotoFF Tim. You can find Matt at PsychWardFF. Uh, you can also find all of us at Broto Fantasy on Twitter, at FF by Broto on Twitter as well, at BrotoFF Mike, at BrotoFF Cast. We will see you tomorrow ending out the NFC East with the Dallas Cowboys, uh, an interesting squad that I may have just uh, sold the farm for in Dynasty. Uh, I'll did. see you. I did. I, I'll see you guys later. Peace.